0: This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett. Welcome back to Tennessee Talks. I came from a family of educators, as many as you know. Um, My mama taught at Old Young High School in Knoxville, then Bearden High School, and then she retired to raise some grandbabies or play with them, I guess the case may be, and then... um, uh, they got a little older, and then Mama went back to teaching at Knoxville College. Taught there for ten years. As a matter of fact, after she she died, they put her in their Hall of Fame. And Daddy, of course, was a um, came to UT after the Second World War and became a dean and was dean of student conduct there, and and um, spent over forty years at the University of Tennessee. So uh, I my degree was in education and technological adult education, to be specific, with the trades. And uh, my sister is a, uh, a, a certified to teach as well. So um, but so it's in my lifeblood, I guess. And publica- public education, of course, it's once again in the national spotlight because many students' education needs were not met. During the pandemic, due to virtual learning, some students, I guess, were also failed by their schools because politics corrupted what was taught in their classrooms. Luckily, in Tennessee, this isn't happening, or the schools put a stop to the nonsense very early. One of the best ways uh, to set Tennessee's children up for success, of course, is providing them with a strong education background focused on the three R's: reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I was, when I was mayor of Knox County, we used to say, if we don't teach them how to read by the third grade, then we probably ought to start building jail cells because they—it just you can pretty much track uh, success versus um, the other paths. And of course we need good school administrators and teachers who will put meeting students' education needs above worthless political agendas. My guest on today's show is someone who is fighting for a strong public school system in Tennessee that will provide our children with a, what I feel like is a meaningful education. I'm pleased today to be joined by Tennessee Education Commissioner, Penny Schwinn for today's show. Commissioner Schwinn, I wanna welcome you to Tennessee Talks. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you so much, I'm happy to be here.
0: All right, well, we'll go right into some of these questions. So, uh, but some of the public schools in other states, they stayed in virtual learning throughout the pandemic while Tennessee students got back in the classroom starting in the fall of 2020. How did Tennessee uh, Department of Education approach returning students to in-person learning so fast?
1: You know, it was saying that that's what we value. We know that students have the best education when they are in person with our great classroom teachers each and every day. We know that it just took a little bit of planning and strategy, a lot of hard work from school districts, but you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of students. So we have lots of guidance documents. We talk with superintendents three times every week for the entirety of the year. Um, We help them with videos, additional funding, and resources for what they might need. But ultimately, it wasn't asking if, and it was more asking how. And how do we ensure students are in classrooms every day throughout the year? And all but uh, three, two of our districts essentially were in person for the majority of last year.
0: Excellent. It looked like some of the shortcomings in virtual learning during the pandemic proved um, why in-person learning is so valuable I know we kind of, we just kind of thrown into it. and I'm wondering how did the virtual learning create an education gap for some students? And if it did, how can we uh, correct that?
1: Yeah. So we looked at the growth of students over the course of last year and compared that for districts who were in person versus those who were uh, not in person and did virtual for the majority of the days. And what we found was pretty stark. Uh, Those that were in person for the highest percentage of days last year grew significantly more than those who weren't. And we saw that uh, there were some very significant declines in some of our districts that went as low as 3% proficiency in eighth grade math. We dropped in some of those districts to single digit proficiency for that really critical third grade reading test. Um, And those were in the majority, the majority of those students were in districts that were not in person. And so uh, one of the things that we are doing to correct that and certainly account and fix that is to make sure that, all of these federal dollars whether whether we wanted them or not they are here um, we want to make sure that they are getting invested in the ways that are going to actually improve student achievement so that is early literacy it is high dosage tutoring it is academic support to make sure students get the extra minutes with really exceptional teachers to catch up and keep up and that is in our that critical third grade and early elementary but it's also in high school we saw that in um, our major urban districts they lost a lot of kids. Um, especially in those high school grades, we need to make sure that we get them back on track, high school diplomas, and into some kind of post-secondary pathway. So we want to invest funding to make sure that we don't have this lost generation because they just weren't in school and not engaged.
0: Excellent. Um, How do you feel like some of the challenges that are facing public education um, now specifically since the pandemic has ended? I know you kind of covered that, but I'm wondering more specifically how, how can we um, how can we correct those problems that were created?
1: Yeah, and I think that the three biggest problems that I'm seeing coming out of the pandemic, one is certainly the academic achievement. Um, you know, we were at 36% proficient on that third grade reading test before the pandemic, which needed some significant work and improvement. But now we're down to 25%. So we've got to focus on academics. Um, we are doing that through a lot of work in early literacy. We have the largest tutoring program, a state-run tutoring program in the country. We are—we um, now have summer school that is offered forever more for students who might need that um, in all of our districts, which is phenomenal. We had 20% of our students in elementary school last year attend summer school who needed it. Um, and, and I think we're continuing to invest in those ways. I think on the other side, though, the enrollment uh, declines, as I said, we are uh, working with external partners and support to bring those students back. And rethink how high school looks. We know that coming off of the pandemic, we've learned a lot. And so these innovative school models for CTE programs and post-secondary programs that really put high school on work sites, put high school on college and TCCA campuses and connect that pathway for students is going to be critical to redesigning and rethinking high school so it's more engaging um, and meets kids where they're at. But then I think that the third thing that we really have to think about are our teachers. We know that our teachers are tired. Um, they were sometimes teaching online and in person. They have been working more hours and certainly have had their own kind of family considerations across the pandemic. And so investing in our educators, making sure that we can really support them, whether that's through salary, whether that's through additional um, kind of support at the school, our teachers should not be nurses and counselors and social workers. They need to focus on academics in the classroom. So how do we think through funding for, for districts that provides uh, teachers with the absolute need that they have to focus on academics and let other people do those other jobs
0: i agree i've always said that when i was the mayor we dealt a lot with mental health in knox county and and how that our law enforcement was not equipped to do that and that wasn't their job and it's the same with with our educators it seems that we've you know they're supposed to be counselors and pharmacists and and everything else and right. uh, and you know they need to be teaching, and that's that's their passion, and that's where they. I mean, they, they care about the kids. So they wouldn't be in that profession, that government. But you know, you've got a, you've also got to reward them. I'm wondering with the with the getting over, um, and you you talked a little bit about that in summer school and other things. Are there are we rolling out any special programs in Tennessee um, that deal specifically with? catching up with kids after the pandemic, and, and, and if so, um, how expensive are those?
1: So the biggest program that we have is Tennessee All Core, and that's the high dosage tutoring. Our districts, um, most of our districts are participating in that, and ultimately what that means is that students are in groups of no more than three students at a time. They're focusing on either math or uh, reading. For each semester, but they're getting that really targeted instruction from highly qualified folks. We've got 150,000 of our K through 8 students. It's a massive percentage. The other component is really focusing on reading and that early literacy. We're seeing that the pandemic really hurt our youngest grades in terms of learning to read. I've got a last year I had a third grader and a and a kindergartner, and I'll tell you, trying to learn to read on a computer does not work. And so. Uh, we are really focusing on that early literacy through Reading 360. It's literacy month uh, in Tennessee in March, so really hoping folks can uh, can really focus on that early reading and early literacy. But it's over 100 of our districts really investing their federal relief funds on those early literacy programs. And frankly, the department's incentivizing folks to do that. We want to make sure that. If you're going to get this additional funding, it needs to go to helping kids recover academically. That has got to be our priority. And I've been very, very pleased and excited about the number of districts who are really focusing on that early literacy on that tutoring on summer school. And then certainly for high school, making sure we develop programs that high schoolers actually want to participate in. Okay.
0: Well, you know, I was, I was in the state legislature. I remember there was a movement afoot foot to allow other people into the classroom to teach and the, mm-hmm. um, uh, I remember the example was given that Colin Powell, who was who was very famous, but um, back then he was really strong, and he had that um, he would not be allowed to be in Tennessee to teach history, and uh, yeah. due to the fact that he was a large part of our history. And I, the, you all rolled out the grow your own teacher apprenticeship program uh, recently, and and it it received approval from the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, what does that mean for the teacher labor market in our state?
1: You know, I think this is huge, and in talking with other states, uh, this might be one of the biggest things we do to get more folks into the profession, and, and just very briefly what it is, is it says, look, we've got lots of future teachers who want to go into the profession, but there might be some barriers to doing that, and we know that teachers do their best work when they are able to study under master and mentor teachers who have been doing this for years. So under this new apprenticeship model, Tennessee was the first state in the country to apply for it and receive it. It means that we can now use those Department of Labor dollars that come from the federal government, whether those are state labor dollars or down at the local level. And it helps to pay for the tuition, books, and materials for future teachers so that they can get their degree if they don't have it or get their credential. But it also means that instead of, you know, if it's anything like my experience, you're sitting in a basement with bad lighting listening to how to be a teacher you are actually now practicing being a teacher with one of those mentor and master teachers. That practice and apprenticeship counts towards some of your credits. So you think about a district like Clarksville where we have partnerships in Knoxville. What those teachers can now do is they'll take their classes, but they are working in public school systems under our amazing teachers, learning their craft and receiving a salary to do so. So it allows people to take care of their families. Many folks have kids or taking care of their folks. You want to be able to ensure that they can work full-time, get that on-the-ground training and practice, and still get their degree or their credentials. So it opens up lots of pathways. And you think about Colin Powell and, and what his trajectory could have been. We can get more folks like him in the classroom faster and ensure that they have the right credentials in order to be able to be certified in Tennessee without all of bureaucracy. So we are, we are very excited about what that can mean for getting more folks in the profession and making it very affordable to do so.
0: Excellent. The Lee administration, I know they also recently announced reforms to public education funding through the Tennessee Investment and Student Achievement Act. Tell me, how do you think this uh, new funding model will help public education in Tennessee?
1: Well, look, I feel like if we are going to invest billions of dollars in public education, we need to make sure we know where that funding goes and we have some accountability to ensure that funding boosts student achievement. And under the new investment, it is very clear and understandable for families, for principals, teachers, districts, community leaders. And what it does is it increases funding to those kids who need it the most. So briefly, we know we have this basic education program, or BEP. It is widely known as one of the most complicated formulas in the country. And frankly, it does not benefit our large districts, and it does not benefit our rural districts. In our new new funding formula proposals, it's simple and easy to understand. Every student gets funding for the needs of that child. So every child gets a base amount. It's one of the highest bases in the country at $6,860. And that's every child no matter where you live. Then if the child has a disability, dyslexia, is gifted, or an English learner, they get additional funding to support those needs. If a child is low income, they get additional funding to support those needs. And for the first time, Tennessee will invest in rural and small schools to ensure that the cost of transportation and the additional needs in rural communities are finally acknowledged in a way they aren't now. All of those things have additional funding based on what the need of that individual student is. And then the third and final part is making sure we invest in the priorities of the state. And as we've been talking about, that's literacy and CTE and career pathways. So it's $500 for our K through three students for early literacy. It's increasing by $30 million, the amount of money for CTE, and it is making those ratios for counselors, um, nurses, librarians, and school psychologists that we, we know are critical, that teachers can focus on teaching, we're getting those much closer to the national standard. So all of that together is a formula that fits on one side of the sheet of paper versus um, uh, the current formula which is over 125 lines long and is completely different based on what district what school what grade level. We need we need this basic fairness in a formula. We need parents to understand what it means and we need accountability for so many taxpayer dollars
0: going out. I like all that. I like Letting the parents know, and I especially love the accountability. That's something we do not have in Washington, as you well know. Well, com- <laughs> c- c- you're not supposed to, say, you're supposed to say, oh, no, Tim, that's not the case. No, no Everybody know you're not telling the truth then. But um, you'd be lying like you were in Congress or something. But Commissioner Swin, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing what you are doing to improve education in Tennessee. And I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and I want to thank you all so much for joining me for this episode of Tennessee Talks.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following at Rep Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and at Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.